0: So have you got a clip on, Mike?
1: Yeah, I have. It's just, uh, I don't know if you can see it. It's on there. Oh,
0: How's I it sound? It Is that OK? Yeah, yeah. You're sounding, sounding like you. Good. Key question for you. Do you want me to call you hmm. Basti or Sebastian? It would be very well, odd calling you Sebastian, but, you know, Basti might mm-hmm. feel like it's the name I called you from when we were babies.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's what you call me, but I don't well, know. It's up to I mean, you. you. I, I, no, it's up to I'm completely you. comfortable either way. Mm. You could, you could say
0: at the top if you like, you know, that we're actually old friends and... This is Basti. Well, he's always been Basti to me. He's my oldest friend and we moved in next door on the day he was born when I was two. We lived side by side for five years and meandered in and out of each other's lives and houses as little kids do. Then, in 1977, we moved away and shortly after that, his mum Jill, by then one of my mum's best friends, took her own life. Basti was five and although we've continued to weave in and out of each other's lives and I've always thought of him as my wee brother we've never talked about it okay well we just crack on then and as as I said before um, when we were messaging and stuff anything you don't want to talk about Basti just don't talk about it or just say actually can we pause there or whatever yes that's fine it's fine it's not it's not about putting you through any kind of mill um you know, and I don't want to cause you upset. All right.
1: Yeah, no, it's fine. I, I, and there's, there's, Penny, there's probably not really anywhere that I won't go, I don't think anyway. So it's, it's probably all fine.
0: Thanks for downloading Speaking of Suicide podcast. I'm Penny Stewart. And for this episode, for the first time in our lives, Basti and me are going to talk about his mum's suicide. As always, it will be open and honest. So remember, if you find it triggers difficult thoughts and feelings, just press pause. One word of warning, Basti uses the term committed suicide. I realise that's not a phrase everyone is comfortable with, but I've left it in to be true to his story and the way he's chosen to tell it. This particular episode is sponsored by MKM Building Supplies in Inverness, so a huge thanks to them. Speaking of Suicide is made in support of and in collaboration with Mikey's Line. We'll give out their details after we've heard from Basti. Basti, how much do you remember of those? F- what five years uh, when we lived next door, side by side? What are your memories of it?
1: That's a good. That's a good start. Um, not a lot. <laughs> I mean, that's really? not. That's not. No, that's not really true. I do remember a lot, and I think I remember a lot of highlights, um, or maybe lowlights. Um, and by that, I mean when you're a young child, I think you remember vast emotion. So you remember the emotional highs, the happy, you remember the sad, you remember the angry, you don't remember the day to day. You don't have very specific memories about chronological events, how things occurred. So to ask me specifics about that period is quite difficult. But to ask me about how I felt, and what what I felt was going on, I could I could tell you lots of things. So yeah, there were happy memories, definitely. there are also some quite Traumatic memories as well.
0: Yeah, I I went back and visited our houses not long ago, and it was really weird. So much came rushing back at me. It was all still there, and um, I could I could picture you turning up and and <sighs> shouting through the letterbox because you always used to turn up and shout, Jean yeah. through through our letterbox when my mum was studying for an open university degree. Yeah,
1: let me and... in. I want to come and play.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you remember me getting a huge row for for reading you or telling you ghost stories? No,
1: I don't don't remember that. I mean, I I loved ghost stories, so it doesn't surprise me that I probably pestered you into reading them to me.
0: Well, I think I was staying at yours one night or your mum must have been babysitting me and I must have gone off into some kind of horror story and then you got very upset and I got one massive (laughs) row, massive row. And you must have been all of about three and I'd have been about five or something. Oh, um, brilliant. I remember your mum giving me a good telling off. Um, I remember um, lots about your mum. Do you remember much about her? What do you remember?
1: It's it's funny because it's similar to the first answer. I I do remember her. And I think I've got more memories from before the age of five than most people do, simply because I I clung on to the memories that I had. Um, Losing your mother at the age of five. um, I think it sort of means that. It means that you, you hang on. Um, in a way that, that the rest of us don't have to um, so my, my memories of her are that again they're, they're, they're just the peaks and troughs so I remember her laughing and and being in sort of hysterics you know really really sort of high times um, but I also remember her very very upset um, and very angry and those are the things that I kind of remember those those huge sort of The the kind of the red lines of emotion, good and bad, um, are what I remember. But I I can't really remember the sound of her voice. Um, I remember how she looked um, and what she looked like, you know, to me looking up at her. I I don't even know how tall she was, but, you know, obviously my perspective was that she was this enormous grown-up. But, um, you know, I couldn't couldn't tell you, you know, how tall she was.
0: She was very glamorous. I picture her as as really glamorous um, a very kind of striking beautiful woman and I I got that even at the age of you know what I was a little kid as well Um, I do remember her voice I can I can hear her calling you when I think back to it God Um, do you remember peanut butter and uh, sultana sandwiches
1: I still have them now (laughs) I still I literally had one yesterday I love them (laughs) And there, but there's <laughs> other no. things, there's funny things like, she used to make me lemon curd sandwiches, which I think I really liked, but I, I, I've tried it again a few years ago, it was absolutely disgusting, I don't know what was going on there.
0: I um, don't remember lemon curd sandwiches, I remember peanut butter and sultana sandwiches, I will always associate with your mum. That, and, and as I say, glamour, 70s glamour, she oozed the kind of kaftan kind of era, really
1: yeah i I remember that she used to wear um you know very trendy at the time, sort of sort of beige and brown and, and sort of things like that dark green she wore a lot of that um i i remember i remember those things yeah but um but that's not the overriding thing The overriding thing is um is she i think i think she had a great capacity for fun. i think she was quite good fun um but you know it, it, it was obviously also a very difficult time at home as well and and, and a lot of that's only really come home to me as I've moved into adulthood you know through my
0: adult life so you were only five um when your mum took her life what what do you remember about that um I mean how did you hear
1: well um that's it's a really difficult question pen because I don't um I wasn't told at the time that she'd taken her own life. It, it took me a very, very long time to work that out um, for myself. Um, and I can only attribute that to the fact that um, it was too difficult for my father and my by then stepmother to, um, to actually tell me the honest truth at the age of five, um, that my mother had taken her own life. Um, so it, yeah, it, it, it's been a very long process to, to A, understand that, and B, come to terms with it. Um, so so the actual moment that I was told... I mean, I think I probably should give you some background that um, my parents had divorced at this point and they were no longer living together and that my older sister, Zoe, and I were living with my father and his, by the time my mother died, his new wife, um, the woman who became my stepmother, Valerie, And um, my mother had been um, living in or or, had been in um, mental hospitals um, for the majority of the previous year before she died. Um, But again, I was I think I I left. um, My father left when I was about three and a half. And I think at about four and a half was when he got custody. And so Zoe and I went to live with him. And again, that's not something I really understood. It's something that just sort of happened. Um, and it was about a year after that that she died. Um, and so when she died, I hadn't actually seen her since Christmas, and she died in April. Um, and I hadn't seen her very much before that. So it wasn't like we were going over and visiting every other weekend, like most, um, like most kids would. Um, she was not well and she you know it was obviously deemed by by courts or my parents i don't know that it was better for her not to see us or for us to see her but i did see her at christmas time and she was we went to a hospital somewhere and she was in a ward and we visited her and it was it was a very sad circumstance i remember that and she gave me a teddy bear that i still have i've called i called rufus um and, and, you know, that's, again, something that I've sort of clung to through my life. And um, the last thing that she gave me, which she made for me, she made it, you know, herself. Um, and so the moment came. By now, my sister and I were living in um, Earl's Court in West London um, at my stepmother's flat with my father. And um, we were gathered into the this sort of beautiful living room that had a lovely view over the gardens. And... Um, and told that our mother had died in an accident with a train. And that was all I really knew for a very long time. Um so oh, I mean, obviously I was I was devastated, but I I was five and I hadn't seen my mother wasn't a, a constant presence in my life at that point. And so, I mean, obviously I was devastated, but I it's hard to fathom, even now, looking back, what I was really feeling. It's hard to say.
0: So at what point did you start to piece together what had actually happened, as much as anyone ever knows what's happened? But at what point did you start to think she'd taken her own life?
1: Um, that's That was a slow process. Um, Several things happened. Um, now, to, to, to just to make it clear, my parents are divorced, and divorce is a nasty business, and my parents' divorce was a nasty business. I didn't know that at the time, but it but I you know it's come to light since that it was a, a very nasty business. And people who divorce often don't particularly want to spend a lot of time thinking about the other person. I get that as an adult, but the net result of that was that as a young you know, boy, aged five through to seven, eight, nine, ten, um, there was no pictures of my mother up in our house. Um, talking about her was a taboo subject. Um, if, I, if I mentioned her, I felt I was immediately on eggshells and the conversation wasn't welcomed. So I became profoundly curious About what had happened, and this this tidbit of information that I remember from the day she died, that she was in an accident with a train, was something that started to just rattle around in my brain, and start to it it kind of gnawed away at me, and I wanted to know more. And whenever I tried to ask more, I was I was rebuffed um, at home, and and it became very awkward and difficult. So I didn't speak of it. But what I did do is on family occasions when you know families like yours would come over i would try to find a quiet moment and i would ask in in the case of your family i'd ask your mother um the wonderful gene um you know questions and I, and I i cannot remember specifics um but it was like um it was like building a sort of a web like a spider web slowly but surely um And a web of information between um, different family friends where it became apparent that my mother had been suffering very badly with mental health issues. Um, And nobody ever told me that she committed suicide. But eventually it became so blindingly obvious to me. You know, people don't have accidents with trains, really. That's not what really happens. Um, You know, people people jump in front of them. And, and I knew that, and, and knowing that she'd had mental health issues, um, I'd say by the age of about sort of eight or nine, I'd really come to the conclusion that she'd taken her own life. But that wasn't something that I shared with anybody in my family. I shared it with my friends, but very tentatively, because it did feel taboo. Yeah,
0: it's interesting, because when... <laughs> A couple of things jump out at me there. There we were living parallel lives and we did, we've we always woven in and out of our each other's lives um, and our families did, even you know, after your dad had, had, had remarried. With Val, we were all really close. I never remember not knowing what had happened with your mum. So isn't it strange that there we were and moving in and out of each other's lives, but because this subject was never brought up, I was never in a position where I would have passed that information on. But I remember my mum telling me and I would have been only yeah a couple of years older than you. Mm. So I think I knew right from the start, which, which strikes me now is as really odd. Um, yeah. But it, it's interesting when I thought about asking you to take part in speaking of suicide, you know, I, I paused because even though we've known each other our whole lives, we have never talked about this. Um, We've never talked about your mum, certainly not about her taking her life. I I wondered how much that pause went both ways, whether you have to kind of stop and think very carefully before you ever bring the subject up, or do you ever bring the subject up? Where does it sit within your life?
1: Um, I'm very open about it. Um, and I think that there's something else going on there in that um, I, I get to be... Uh, a bit a bit of a hero that you know, that, that I've i somehow managed to come through this sort of horrendous childhood a moment, this 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 huge thing that happened. Because if you say to anybody um who's not had this experience, my mother committed suicide or my mother killed herself when she was five years old, I mean that is like throwing a grenade into a conversation. Um and people are horrified and they and they immediately you can feel them, the sort of that that very human instinct of of, of feeling a sense of total and they, they, they no longer look at you as in my case right now, a 49 year old man, they look at you as a five year old child. And they think of how terrible that is. But of course, I am a 49 year old man, and I'm addressing them as such. And so I've survived it. And but but it, 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 it's not dissimilar to looking at some newsreel footage of, of something terrible happening um, to to a child. Or hearing of something terrible happening to a child. I mean, your, your, your human, just your that human instinct just reaches out and feels horrified. So for me, it's it's an absolutely defining moment, and I speak very openly about it. But I find it fascinating that you and I haven't spoken about it. And do you know what? I know I've you suddenly made me think about all those old family friends, and that I think I've I really haven't spoken about this very much with the old family friends who knew her. And I do, I find it quite awkward because there's part of me, I think I've constructed an entire narrative in my head and there's a little part of me that doesn't want to be disabused of it if I've, if I've got part of it wrong. And I could have done, I really could have done.
0: Do you think in, in an I mean, do you think your dad and Val were, were right to have, to say glossed over, it, it sounds... Sounds wrong, but to have been economical with the facts of what had happened. No, I, 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 they weren't. They weren't right.
1: No, that that was that was a huge mistake, um, and and it was a it was a terrible disservice to me, and to my sister, uh, my older sister. It, it shouldn't have been that way. Um, I think if it happened now, um, no matter what they felt, I think we would have had counselling. We would have had therapy um we would have been able to explore our feelings about it in a way that in the nineteen seventies in Britain we couldn't, didn't weren't offered, it just didn't happen. Um and I think there's a lot there's a lot of things that I think about that. Um I mean to be clear at this point, my father um is, is now my late father, he's passed away. Um I think I think he felt a certain amount of guilt about what happened. Um, he would deny he would have denied that absolutely but I think if you feel if if you look at the sort of the bald facts of the situation my mother was struggling with her mental health Um, my father left her and she continued to have very deep struggles with her mental health and they got worse um, to the point that she attempted suicide several times and my sister and I were going to be taken into um, foster care. He then got an emergency custody order and he he got it. And, um, you know, so she effectively lost custody of her children. He then went to a custody battle, uh, you know, to to a custody hearing. And something I only found out fairly recently was that on the day, um, my mother decided not to contest it and i believe the reason that that happened was that she knew that she would lose because she would be deemed to be an unfit mother and she just probably didn't really need to hear it from a judge at that point um but if you think about that regardless of of who you are um you've you've lost a marriage and now you've lost your two children and and yes of course you're struggling and you're having terrible issues but you know, it's quite easy to see how somebody could then really dissolve. Um, and, and and the sort of the rug of life is, is snatched from under you. So um, I think the reason that my father didn't speak to me about it openly, I think the reason that I wasn't told clearly um, was because it was all too terribly painful and he didn't know how to address it. And I think that he felt that, you know, he wasn't blameless. Um, and that would make it an incredibly difficult thing to talk about. I think. So yeah. Did I, you
0: never talk about it?
1: No, we even, did talk about it. Even when you were an adult. We we did, but it was painful. It was always painful. It was never easy. And the, th- the other thing about it, Penn, is that um, <sighs> I spent my life hearing his version of events, and in his version of events. He was the kind of the knight in shining armour who swept in and saved us from our mad mother. Um, and that, you know, if that gets drummed into you over the course of a lifetime, you believe it. And I did believe it, and I don't anymore. And that's that's quite an alarming thing to have to come to terms with at midlife.
0: Have you managed to get to know your mother, at all, over the the years since you you lost her?
1: That's an interesting question. I think the answer is definitely no. Sadly, definitely no.
0: To what extent have you tried? Have you had conversations about her with people like my mum, other friends?
1: I have had conversations, but I mean, I'm just thinking just now. You telling me stories about her calling for me or, you know, come get your tea or whatever, Basti, that, it's that day-to-day stuff I've never really heard. It's always been big picture stuff, you know, from, from family, friends who knew of the situation and knew, because as a, as a five-year-old, you're, you're, you're running to piece things together, um, scrambling at all times because your memory, a five-year-old's memory is not, you know, it's, it's not a fully developed thing, um, and so you're you're kind of you're you're piecing a jigsaw that will only ever be incomplete together and you end up looking at the big things and you forget the small things so actually you know what kind of a woman was she was she kind was she funny you know did she cook i mean these are things i don't actually really know
2: hmm.
0: uh, do you feel a stigma attached to you for the fact that she took her life. You said, if you bring it up, it's a shocking thing to drop into any uh, social situation. Do you feel that, that stigma, a part of you? Um,
1: I don't feel it, but I'm aware of it because I think one of the things suicide is, is, uh, it's still, it's deemed people take a very dim view of suicide. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm not going to say I'm an advocate for it because I'm not. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm immensely more understanding of the condition than people who haven't had any experience with it. I have spent my life wondering about it. So do I feel a stigma? No, I absolutely do not. Um, in a sense, it's, it's almost the opposite where I sort of feel this kind of empowerment or this sort of badge of kind of fortitude Um, you almost want to sort of write the suicide survivor's guide you know it's that kind of thing Um, rather than I I don't feel the stigma I I, I don't Um, I think people people look look at that and they think how could she have done that and I've heard that people have said that to me how could she have done that to you and your sister at that time and I always stop them very quickly and say you have to understand that we did not exist at that time to her and I I get that you know in the moment in the moment there is nobody else there is only pain and suffering and making it stop and anybody who thinks well surely you know you must think of your children you must think of your friends. It, that's rubbish it just, it's just doesn't apply at all and so yeah I, I, that's that's their issue, it's not my issue
0: badge of fortitude is a really interesting phrase to have, have um, popped up there I mean I was going to ask you what you think the, the legacy was or impact overall was of you growing up with with this knowledge but of course you didn't didn't understand the knowledge or, or, garner the knowledge until quite a bit later. But it, it sounds then that, I mean, it almost sounds to me like you're, you're, you're saying it, it gave you strength. It, in a a curious way, it, you know, your mother taking her life has given you her strength.
1: I think that's true. I think that's absolutely true. Um, I think it, I, I can't, you can't draw a, a line. I mean, in, in every human being, um, there, is, there is nature and nurture. Um, and we obviously have our innate kind of the, the way we are. And then we also have what we learn. Um, but I think you can't take away the loss of your mother, who is, you know, for the majority of people on this planet, the most important person when you're very young. Um, you, you cannot remove that from me. And who I am, um, and you know, I was, I was, I was raised beyond the age of five um, by my father and my stepmother, and I was given great opportunities in life, and um, and you know, I did, I did recover from that, and I did, I did get through it, um, and that is in great part thanks to them giving me that sort of secure base from which to step out into the world from. Um, but I do, I really really profoundly believe that my mother's suicide has given me an innate strength that I'm just not sure where else it could have come from. Because I just, I don't know, I've, you know me, Penny, I've I've got a kind of a, you know, a, a stubborn streak a mile wide and, um, you know, I never give up. And um, I just sort of have this kind of this sort of belief that I will basically survive because I I, I I sort of feel like there's not much worse that could happen um short of losing both my parents and i don't know being being orphaned i suppose would be the next the next worst thing um but there's not a lot worse that can happen than that and and that happened and i'm here and i'm okay and therefore what am i scared of there's nothing to be scared of really do you know what i mean it, it's not there's not a lot in the world that frightens me. And uh, I've been like that since I was quite young.
0: Yeah, I think that's... a. I mean, I do get what you mean. I think it's a really interesting way of coming at it um, and, and says an awful lot about you and the Basti I know. Um, I think... Tony, I was going to ask if you ever feared, because you talked about what is it to fear. I wondered whether you ever feared that that capacity for... Uh, deep sadness and um, ill mental health may lie in you as well because it lay in your mum. I've never seen any evidence of it in you, but I wondered whether that was something that, whether that's a fear you inherit along with inheriting that knowledge of suicide.
1: That's, uh, okay, that's interesting. So um, I, I, I have had those thoughts. I did think, why have I never suffered with depression or suicidal thoughts. I mean, it's obviously in me, I inherit the genes. Um, you know, it's there. Um, and I was quite pleased that, that, you know, it had never really, it never really happened. I'd never had to take any antidepressants or anything like that. I'd never been to see a, a doctor or, uh, you know, any kind of counseling or whatever. Um, and I thought, wow, you know, I've really swerved that one. That's that's good. You know, here I am in my 40s and everything's everything's pretty good. And then um, my dad died. And I went into a, a complete mental freefall. Um, and I ended up suicidal myself. And I had to go and see somebody. And I was very lucky in that I met my perfect therapist, literally within a couple of weeks of this thing happening. Um, And he guided me through two years of therapy. Um, And I very, very quickly realized um, that I I had suffered from a huge kind of attack of anxiety when my father died. And it was immensely destabilizing and it was because I'd lost my mother that my father had become everything. And I didn't realize it kind of crept up on me. And when he went, that was immensely destabilizing, and I ended up in a very, very bad way. Um, and so, you know, the fact is, Penny, it, it has happened to me. And I have been through an episode of very, very poor mental health. Um, and thank goodness i reached out for help um really really quickly and i got it really really quickly because i was i was in a very serious state and i think if i was in a less serious state i wouldn't have got it as quickly as i did but i was i was lucky and i have to say when you're in a very serious state the nhs is actually pretty good um and and it was it was good for me and um and as I said, I met the perfect therapist who, um, who 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 very slowly helped me piece it all together.
0: Did your going to that very dark and difficult place and and having suicidal thoughts and then coming out the other side of it? Did that change how you thought about your mum and what she did? did? it did it bring a different kind of understanding to what happened?
1: Um, I think I'd already got to a place of understanding. What it did do is it illustrated to me the desperation. And it it really brought home what I had already knew, which I described to you earlier, which was that, you know, in that moment, nothing else exists. That was true for me. And when it passed, and uh, I mean, to explain when these moments came to me and there was, there was more than one, there were several, um, where I wanted to do something very quick and very violent. Um, I would, I would sort of lie on the floor wherever I was. And that was literally in the street. Sometimes, sometimes it was in the park, sometimes it was in my garden and I would sort of hug the floor and in desperation waiting for this moment to pass. And in that moment, and it really was very, very dark. Um, you know, there was no I'm, I'm I'm a married man with two kids. They were not in my head. I'm I'm I feel ashamed to say it, actually. But they weren't. There was there was pain and there was ending it and that was it. And it made me really clear on what had happened to my mum. Because I knew that. I knew it logically. But to actually in experience it directly and you yeah, know, that's not an experience that anyone can can convey that is something that you go through and you know it became very clear to me that that in in that terrible terrible moment for my mother that was there was just pain that must be stopped and that was all there was.
0: To what extent have you ever talked to your own children about your mum um and and by the sound of it what what subsequently is has happened to you in terms of mental health do you talk to them about it
1: i've spoken to them both about um about my mother's suicide um about how old i was and what happened i haven't spoken to them a great deal about her as a woman because i think as we've established i maybe don't know very much about that about her and i probably should find out more um i have they know that i was seeing a therapist for a couple of years but they don't know why I guess one day they might hear this and find out, um, but I don't have a problem displaying emotion to them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to to cry in front of them. I certainly did when my father died. Um, I, don't, I, I try and keep the, the doors open to conversations. I'm, I'm pretty desperate for my children to feel that they can really be open and talk to me about things that I didn't feel I could talk about when I was a child. Um so yeah we we're we, we generally pretty open about things here. Um, and I think I, I hope that that's a good thing for them.
0: And what would you say to another little boy who lost his mum under the same or similar circumstances to you? what what would you be able to
1: What if I met a five-year- old kid? Him? Mm.
0: Or if you were speaking to that young self, your own young self
1: god that's a good question um (laughs) i mean i think i'd like to say don't worry it's going to be okay (laughs) but the, the truth is you know it's it's not okay it's it's bloody hard it's really bloody hard um but you know you you will get through it i've got through it it's you know, and it's part of my life. It's it's part of that patchwork, and you just have to. I think you just have to hold on. Um, God, yeah. I don't know what I'd say to myself, age five. I don't know. Just D- dig in. It's gonna. It's it's a hell of a ride. <laughs> just hold on.
0: How do you feel about your mum for what she did?
1: Love um, admiration, respect. I feel, I do feel a little bit of anger as well. I miss her. I wish she was around. Um, I, I mean, I wish she'd been around through, through my life. Um, I used to get very frustrated, uh, thinking, oh, you know, I, when I, when I was, things were kicking off at home i sort of wished i could have gone to my mum's house you know um but that fades away as you get into adulthood yourself and you know I, i understanding i think of her decision um i mean obviously i wish she hadn't done it of course i of course i wish she hadn't done it um and one of my favorite quotes about suicide is actually robin williams the comedian who sadly took his own life he said um he said, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And I just wished I could have said that to her <laughs> and to anybody who's, who's at that point. You know, this will pass. It will pass. You've just got to hold on because it's not forever.
0: Well, Basti, that little boy you were has grown up, I think. I'm going to get sad now. I think you're the most positive, warm and amazing man. I really do. And, and you know, if it's given you part of who you are, then, then I think you're incredible. You're an incredible dad. You're an incredible friend. And, um, you know, I wish your mum had stuck around because she'd have been so proud of you. Really. Hmm. I'm That's very cool. proud of you. And I think uh, she would have been too thank you thank you so much for, for sharing this talking about it um, we'll be changed now won't we yeah I think we will about actually this. Basti thanks very much thanks Ben mm. I'm gonna turn my camera back on now. And you see, I'm all teary. Oh. <laughs> oh. That was good. Yeah. That was interesting. Gosh.
1: When when um when we went into talking about my own um my own brush with suicide, I remember thinking, oh God, this might be the one place I don't want to go, and I just thought, fuck it, what's the point? I mean, what's the point of doing this if you can't speak truthfully about all of it? You might as well, you know. It's not a dirty secret. That's the thing, you know. I think, I think a lot of people feel like these feelings are—they're like a dirty secret. Any kind of mental health issue is a dirty secret, but it shouldn't be. You know, this stuff happens to people, and it, and it happens more than you think. And you know, it, it's okay. I'm okay. I mean, you know, it's taken me a while to get through it, but I did. And and anyone can do that. You know, and it doesn't mean I'm I'm in this position for the rest of time. I'm not. It's things have moved on. You know, it's better.
0: If I could reach through the screen and give you a big cuddle, <laughs> I would. I would. Right, I'm going to press stop. Okay. huge thanks to Basti for finding the courage to have that conversation with me. A reminder of Mikey's Line, if you or someone you know needs help or advice, you can text 07786 2077 or you can contact them via messenger, web chat or Twitter, Sunday to Thursday, 6pm to 10pm, Friday to Saturday, 7pm to 7am. Now here's Shona McPherson from Mikey's Line with a few thoughts for you to mull over.
2: Just listening to Basti's story there, I'm so struck of the work that he has done to process and to make meaning of his history and his family's history. The struggle he must have had as a young lad, I'm sure he hasn't even begun to tell us about that, um, the, the culture of secrecy and shame and the, the questions that he had about his mum that he wasn't able to get answers for. And it sounds like... He, he didn't stop asking those questions and in later life he has found meaning and he's been able to reframe maybe the image that he, he had of his mother as a madwoman to this, this very compassionate understanding of her as being someone who was in such great pain. And I think for any of us that are bereaved, that have been bereaved by suicide, It's a question we can't avoid. How could they have done this? If they love us, how could they have have left us in this way? And Basti's meaning-making or understanding that for his mum, in those moments, he and his sister didn't exist for her. She was entrapped by her pain and that the only way she could find out was by ending her life. That That was how he understood her experience. And then, I think he's almost has double qualification in um, his understanding of this from in later life feeling suicidal himself, having suicidal thoughts, wanting his own pain to end and the way he described that he's a family that he loves but in those moments um, they they didn't exist for him briefly as well. So that him moving from a compassionate head understanding to uh, understanding in his heart what it can feel like to be entrapped by such pain and then finally I'm so um, struck by the hope in this very painful story that basti has shared that he was suicidal on more than one occasion and he was able unlike his mum to get the help that he needed and um, he had a, a really good relationship with a therapist that he found incredibly helpful and for him suicide and mental health struggles weren't a dirty secret and he said that many times in the in the conversation that it's not a dirty secret and um, that if we can talk about these things we can break this the taboo or the stigma or the shame around mental health and around suicidal thoughts um, or behaviors that we have and yes i suppose that's the the key big observation a lot of words to say this that um, that we can break a cycle, even a family cycle of shame. That it just takes us a very. I'm saying just it's very difficult to reach out and ask for help. But if we can do that, we can um, get that help. And that um, the final thing that Masty said there at the end, I love that the the outtake was included uh, in the in the interview. That that part where he was just chatting informally to to Penny at the end, and he said you know what I didn't know if I would talk about that bit but what the bleep Um, if you can't speak truthfully about it what is the point in speaking at all you know and if we can't speak truthfully about our mental health you know we're not making it possible for other people to do that either so yeah so much respect and um, to Basti and um, thank you so much for listening and if you are struggling with your mental health please don't be alone with that please also reach out thank you
0: this episode of Speaking of Suicide was made possible thanks to the sponsorship of the team at MKM Building Supplies in Inverness. The platform is sponsored by d Paving Limited. Please do like, share and comment about the podcast. And if you want to get involved by sponsoring an episode or by telling your story, then get in touch with Mikey's Line. Speaking of Suicide is an adventurous audio production. The music is Nana by Tom Ireland.